Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the Bible Thumper Podcast, where somebody's got to say it. My name is Patrick Hayes, your regular host, and with me tonight is Stephanie Kettle, and she is going to be talking to you about addiction and Christianity. Stephanie, how are you doing this evening? I'm good. How are you doing? I am having the best day of my life. So thank you for joining us. You should know that you are the first lady to be here with us in the studio twice. You're the first lady to be a repeat guest. So that honor will be yours forever. No one will ever be able to take that away from you. I expect a plaque. We can make you a plaque. We're trying to get t-shirts made. Did you know we have stickers made? No. Really? Like stickers for your car? Yeah. Or like a water bottle or whatever you want. I literally have a box of like 2000 of them. I haven't found anyone to give them to. Well, I'll give you a sticker, okay. as many stickers as you want. And then on top of that, I realized that I can't just like put these up all over the place because isn't that like vandalism or you know what I mean? You can't just like put stickers up all over town. You can. Well, I'm sure you can. But as far as it being a Bible podcast run by a preacher, I was like, this this isn't going to work. It's like how you don't want a Jesus fish on the back of your car. If you Not ever on my ride. car. Yeah, because I'm a terrible driver. Okay, so Stephanie, why are we talking about addiction and Christianity? Because we're both alcoholics. Uh, speak for yourself, dear. So Stephanie, tell me when you became one of these dirty, low-life, <laughs> despicable people you call an alcoholic. I think I was kind of always one. Mm -hmm. I don't know. From the first time I drank, it was always in excess. Mm -hmm. But I guess the first time I really drank was probably high school. Mm -hmm. And... What, which year? How old? Sophomore, sophomore year. I think that was me too. 15? Ish, yeah. Yeah. I was, well, I was one of those people who turned 16 my sophomore, like early, because I have a late September birthday. Okay. So anyway, 15 or 16. Mm -hmm. And from the moment I picked up alcohol, I would just go and go and go. But mm -hmm. I didn't drink like you would say an alcoholic mm -hmm. drinks in high school. It was like typical... High school partying. No, you weren't drinking any more than any other high school kid. I was probably drinking less than oh, your okay. average high school kid. Like you I didn't go to parties a lot after high school. Yes. Okay. So I went to college and then it was like on the weekends. Mm -hmm. Then my mom passed away mm -hmm. and it became more frequent and mm -hmm. it became something else. Like mm -hmm. at first it was like, hey, this helps with my social anxiety. Mm -hmm. And I thought it gave me something that I didn't have. Oh, yeah. And then... um then it became more about dealing with grief and or not dealing with grief, I guess I should say, and running away from life. And mm -hmm. then we got pregnant and I stopped mm -hmm. for two years. Mm -hmm. And then I was like, hey, alcoholics can't stop for two years. Yeah. Clearly so not an alcoholic. I stopped for the term and early life of my baby. I must not be an alcoholic. Right. Yeah. And uh, so I started drinking again. Mm -hmm. And. It just kind of escalated from there. Eventually, it became daily. I think mm -hmm. at my worst, it was all day, every day, a 750 milliliter bottle of vodka. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes more, never less. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Every single day. Just a train wreck. Right. And mm -hmm. it got bad. I think it was a year and a half from when I picked up again mm -hmm. to when I got into recovery because mm. it went bad really fast. Okay. So tell everyone about where we met. We met at AA. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, that that's a meta day, eh? 
Is that I mean, fair? That, no, that's it. I mean, that is the story. We started becoming friends at Village Inn. Yeah. So we met at an AA meeting here in Grand Junction, Colorado, and there was a small group of us that certain every once a week, once every two weeks, once every three weeks, yeah. something in there, we would go to Village Inn, which is like, it's a diner, you know, kind of like a Denny's or something like that. And we would go there after the meeting and uh, they had a deal, which was every Wednesday night, if I remember, was free pie night. So we would go to the meeting on Wednesday. Then we would go there afterward with a big group and we'd all order a cup of coffee and get a free piece of pie and just hang out a little bit. So that's where we met. And then when did I learn that you were a Christian and that you went to church in the whole shebang? I don't remember. I don't either. I, re- I remember we became friends because I played Fallout. And yeah. That's, okay. That's, that's right. That's really we where we can into video games. Yeah. Okay. And okay. then as we talked more, it probably became, you know, apparent somewhere in there. Okay. So there are a lot of Christians that might, okay, here's something that I found and tell me if you think I'm crazy or if you've seen this too. There are a lot of Christians that might not trust a program that is outside of the realm of Christianity. Correct. Okay. So that was one of the things that I kind of wanted to talk about tonight is you and I are both Christians who were saved. We go to church, we read our Bible, you know, but we also go to this program, which is not a Christian program. Would you agree? Yes. It's a spiritual program by you its own it. definition. Definition. Okay. Yeah. So it is, it was started by a couple of guys who were churchgoers, mm-hmm. you know, who did believe in Jesus. But the idea was when they were starting the program, they did not want to make a program that excluded everyone who was not a Christian because there were going to be a lot of people who were alcoholics who needed help and they were not going to go to a program that was run out of a church that used the Bible that was, you know, so God focused. So they wanted to make the program open to everybody. But then when you get into AA, you find out that God is mentioned everywhere, all over the big book, all over the 12 steps, you know, the, it, it talks about how, God is everything or he's nothing, you know, you're not going to be able to do this unless you learn to grow along spiritual lines. You know, it points you to God, 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 God all over the program. And I think their intention, or actually I know what their intention was because I read the biographies of Bill W. and of Dr. Bob, the two founders of Alcoholics Anonymous. And both of them really had the idea that, look, if, if these guys are going to get sober and they are going to start praying to God and, and the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous tells you that that is what you're supposed to do in the morning, you're supposed to set aside a time, you know, where you're going to pray and you're going to um, meditate is the, the term that they use a lot of times. Um, you know, you're going to be going to God, you're going to be getting closer to God, you're going to be enlarging your spiritual life. And the goal was God is going to be able to take it from there. And he is going to be able to direct you as far as who he is. And, you know, we hope that you find uh, a place where uh, you get to know who God is, you can, you know, find that typically a lot of folks find that in a church. But Alcoholics Anonymous is in no way claiming to be a Christian program. Correct. Okay. Celebrate Recovery is. So Celebrate Recovery is. uh, Is that the more popular Christian recovery program in America? Is there more than one? Oh, there are a couple. 
uh, Celebrate Recovery is the only one I've heard of. So, okay. I mean, there used to be one. There might still be one here, but there used to be one at Canyon View Vineyard Church. Mm -hmm. And I went to that for a little bit. There is another one called Reformers Unanimous. I'm familiar with that one. So I know several of them have started up throughout the country, you know, different Christian-based ones. So really, I guess what I wanted to talk about a little bit was, okay, do you go to one of those Christian recovery programs? I used to. Okay. I used to do Celebrate Recovery. But you don't now. I don't because I found the support of AA was better. Mm -hmm. It was not like when they compiled the people in Celebrate Recovery. Mm -hmm. You know, because they would separate like the codependents, mm -hmm. the men, the women, um, just any addicts were put. So you got alcoholics, mm -hmm. um, drug addicts, mm -hmm. food addiction, mm -hmm. stuff like that. Which drug all drug addicts were just lumped together. All of us it, were lumped together, which wasn't uh -huh. a problem. Sure. Um, but honestly, to me, it felt more when we did our circle sharing, felt mm -hmm. more venting session ish. Mm -hmm. And not so much solution-based versus when you go into AA and you mm -hmm. go to a meeting, a lot of it is experience, strength, and hope. It's, hey, I went through something similar, or this yeah. is my... And this is what helped this me. This is how I got yeah. through it, or this is how I've changed on this topic, or this or that. So it or feels... at least that's what it's supposed to be. Right. Yeah. And that's... AA, for me, felt more solution-based, which is what I needed. I didn't need a place to vent. Because when I vent, yeah. I can get... Like sometimes I need a place to vent, but it's more of like sure. to a friend or something yeah, like that. Yeah, I'll usually do it one-on-one -on -one to my sponsor. Right. Know. Yeah. Um, but your sponsor will still give you solutions. But. Oh, yeah, yeah. The and, and really, I mean, don't get me wrong. You know, you and I have a lot more time in recovery than a lot of other people do. So for me, when I call up my sponsor and I want to vent to my sponsor, the understanding is... That you're going to get a solution. Yeah, at the end, I want to hear from him. I just need to get some stuff off my chest and I don't want to complain to my wife or to my boss or to, you know, to different people in my life. I want to complain to somebody that has gone through it and understands, you know, what I'm going through. Right. Cause there's certain things you can't really like, I'm not going to call Nick and be like, I have a craving to drink mm -hmm. cause that's not going to be helpful to him. That's just going to freak him out. Sure. Spin, send him spinning. Yeah. Um, it's more helpful for me. And I think for other people to vent to someone who understands, Yeah. but also there is that understanding of I'm going to get a solution. When you first get a sponsor, there's no understanding of that. So you call and you mm -hmm. vent and then they start giving you a solution. And, and you're, you're like, like, what are you talking about? What, what do you mean? I just I wanted you to something. listen. Yeah. I, yeah. I just wanted you to tell me I was doing everything fine. And this other jerk was the problem. Right. I want you to co-sign my stuff. Yep. Yeah. Sign off on my misery. Yeah. Okay. So something I just realized is I should have gone to a few of these meetings prior to, uh, you know, prior to uh, doing this podcast. So I could have commented. Actually, that's not true. I went to one Celebrate Recovery meeting one time. Someone invited me. I don't remember. And it was so many years ago. I really couldn't tell you other than it was a small group, mm -hmm. you know, so it is smaller. And so what they do is mm -hmm. you come in, there's usually I feel like I remember food being there. So you eat. Sure. And then you do is like you watch a sermon. Like food, not just like, like a donuts. potluck. Oh, really? Yeah. Like people would bring stuff. <laughs> I'm going to start going to this place. I can't remember if that was every time or just once a month. Are or they catered or is it no, like? No. Oh, it's okay. like people bring something. Hey, I had to ask, you know. <laughs> but, um, and then there was like a sermon based mm -hmm. on recovery. So I can't remember. They would bring different people in who've had different experiences. and So it would be live. No, no, it would be you'd recorded sermons. That, okay. Yeah. Okay. We watched a video sure. and you could fill out a little 
thing with answers like mm-hmm. you can do in churches sometimes sure. and then you break notes. out into your groups mm-hmm. um and i think the idea is you talk about the message but that was not really it was more about let's talk about your week your struggles stuff like that would there be someone in each one of those groups that would facilitate the group like was there yes. a leader of some kind yes okay and what in your group they weren't really keeping it um, I, I think maybe they were just trying to facilitate a safe space sure. for people to yeah, let everyone share. Yeah. But after, and maybe that would have worked for me if I didn't know AA at mm-hmm. the time, cause I was kind of doing them both. So, okay. Well, I did AA first. Yeah. Then I was kind of doing the both mm-hmm. as a, as a recovery program, yeah, like doing both. It. Sure. Yeah. And AA just felt healthier for me. Sure. Um, but they do have like each of the steps has a scripture with it that supports the step and Mm -hmm. stuff like that so it is definitely christian there's prayer there's sermons there's talk about god jesus etc because it's in a church and it's not trying to be non-christian right it's very open about what it is okay so now let's uh focus on aa for a little bit because that's what we both have experience with and really that's you know a little bit about what i wanted to talk about a couple things that i've noticed is number one when you meet other Christians in Alcoholics Anonymous, you kind of get together and you notice them and you kind of buddy up. Mm-hmm. Have you found that to be the same case? No. Really? Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, we're friends. Yeah. But I'm friends with, I think, well, not not that I'm exclusively friends with Christians, but. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I and I didn't mean like those are the only people you hang out with. They're camaraderie. Exactly. That's what I'm saying is there is a connection Because what you find in AA that you also have to understand going into it is there are people of varying faiths and there are people who are atheists or agnostic. There are people who hands down, flat out hate God. Mm -hmm. I mean, just hate God. So you're going to hear from all of these people. And it's funny because, you know, like. I have one friend of mine who I don't want to, you know, name names because Alcoholics Anonymous. But one of my friends who, you know, he likes blueberries and uh, we would always like shoot each other a glance and like roll our eyes whenever someone would be getting off about, you know, how much they hate God. And then they'd talk about how they're an atheist and they don't believe in God. And I'm like, well, it doesn't sound like you're an atheist because, you know, you sure hate the guy. So (laughs) that's like, yeah, you hate Santa Claus, you know, (laughs) unless you think he's real. But anyway, um, I found that you know, when someone finds out that I am a Christian in the program, it is a nice connection because we both have, um, a belief that is so similar and so, um, and helps us out and strengthens us so much. And you kind of, you know, just have a little connection with those folks. Yeah. Well, especially being Christian, ideally your faith would be a big part of your life. Sure. The biggest part of your life. Yeah. And so having other people who understand that. Yep. It's helpful. So I have always told anyone who's a Christian, there's no reason not to go to Alcoholics Anonymous, or I should say there's no reason to avoid Alcoholics Anonymous. I found it's helped lots and lots of people um, that are saved, that go to church and uh, they go there, they get the help they need. And in the same way, okay, so think of this. When you are sick, okay, you have appendicitis and you find out you need to get your appendix removed. Are you looking for the best Christian doctor? 
Yeah, you're looking for the best doctor. doctor. Okay, you just want someone that is a professional that knows how to remove your appendix. They have done appendectomies. They do a dozen of them every day. They've been doing them for 20 years. You know, I mean, that's what they specialize in. You're like, great, you're the guy that I want. You don't want some dude from your church being like, you know what? I prayed about it and uh, I got this feeling from God that I'm just supposed to help you out with this. So, you know, lay down on the dining room table and, (laughs) you know, bite down on this stick. So for me, I could care less what someone's faith is in so many other areas. When I, when I hire a guy who's a subcontractor for me, when I'm building a house, when I'm remodeling something, I'm not looking for their faith. I want the best Mason. I want the best tile setter. I want the best whatever. And it's wonderful when I get to work with Christians, but it has nothing to do with the problem we're faced with and the solution, you know? So I've never found it to be an issue. And I think it's kind of silly for people who are saved to avoid Alcoholics Anonymous simply because it's not a Christian program. What are your thoughts? I would completely agree. Um, I think sometimes people can come in and take things personal that people are saying. Yes. Um, and when people are speaking about Christians or, you know, religious people, I I just, uh, you know, I take what I like, leave the rest. Yep. I'm like, you know, and there've been people who've been violently against religion who've said some really good stuff. Oh yeah. That I I take with me, like just because they're not Christian doesn't mean they have, don't have a good program that works for them. Like they have stuff I can relate to. And yeah. As an alcoholic, I can relate to them. Yeah. Well, aren't we supposed to be part of the world? Yeah. I think there's a lot of like Christians kind of click together yeah. and you see like, you know, mops, which is the Christian moms getting together mm-hmm. and this and that. And if your whole life is surrounded in Christians, yeah. just and Christians, only Christians, right. How are you? I think it's good and important to have people who understand that aspect of you and you, them, and yeah. that you can relate and that your, your kids grow up around similar mm-hmm. kids, so on and so forth. But we're supposed to pee, be, be. Mm-hmm. a part of the world. Yeah. How can we do that? How can mm-hmm. we make a difference? How can we show our light? Yeah. When we only we, surround ourselves ex- in an echo chamber of right. Christians. Right. No, I totally get it. And I've been able to become friends with, and for that matter, witness to, and even lead folks to the Lord that I never would have had the opportunity to, you know, interact with outside of Alcoholics Anonymous, because we're a very different bunch. We're very varied, you know, spiritually, politically, every different way in the world. And I've made some friends and I've sponsored some guys where I shake my head and I'm like, why on earth did this guy ask me to sponsor him? Because I don't think it's a secret in AA that Patrick is, you know, the Bible thumping guy. Like I talk about the Bible regularly at meetings. I talk about God and Jesus. And I mean, I talk about all those things. So the last guy that asked me to sponsor him was an atheist who hated God. And, you know, for me, I was shaking my head. I'm like, you know, where, what, how? You know, (laughs) yeah, sure. I'll sponsor you. Sounds great. You know, I've had uh, people come up to me and ask me to sponsor them because they wanted to learn more about the big book and how it related to the Bible. And they wanted to know the connections and the verses. And the last guy that asked me to do that was a homosexual, you know, and I hate to tell you, but I haven't found any other place where a homosexual asked me if he could come to my house once a week for an hour 
and talk about the Bible, you know, and, and that's what we got to do. So I got, I get to meet men and women of so of just such a, you know, wide variety that I get to share my faith with, talk about God with, you know, and in several cases, share the gospel with and get on my knees and pray with them to receive Jesus as their savior. And yeah, for me, I don't see the issue with it you no. know, at all. No, I think personally, I think Christianity blends well with AA. Yeah, I, I feel like they click well together. Mm -hmm. That uh, That's going to lead into a question I have for yeah, you is, what do you do as a sponsor mm -hmm. who is of a Christian faith uh -huh. when there's that, you have sponsees who have their own conception of God? Mm -hmm. Where where does the evangelizing Christian part end and the sponsorship begin? Or does that make sense? Yeah. Am I being no, no, clear? no. I, I think I know what you mean. So let me let me tell you this. Um, let me give you a couple things. Okay. Number one, leaving AA aside, let's just talk about my secular friend, family member, coworker, whoever. Okay. How do I get them the gospel and introduce them to Jesus? And what I've always used is the uh, the analogy or the parable of the Girl Scout selling cookies, right? Okay, so you have someone that knocks on your door and they are there to raise money for their whatever, okay? And some people will yell through the door, go away. All right. That's as far as I go with those pe people. They are totally shut off right now. I can't do anything more. No problem. I'm polite. Okay. They know what I'm there for. They don't want it. Then you find the folks and, and I used to go uh, door knocking, you know, in neighborhoods and would hand out gospel tracts and invite people to church and just, you know, lots of people would move to town and they'd be new and then I'll have a church. So I'd, you know, be there to invite them to church. So some people would crack the door like this much. Okay. Just enough to like, here you go. You know, we're from here. This is an invitation. Okay. Thank you. Bye. And they'd shut the door. So they gave me this much room and I took advantage of it. And then that was it. They closed the door. Okay. Now I'm done. Some people will crack the door a little more and they'll talk to you. And then you can talk to them because they open the door this much. Other people will open the door all the way and they'll stand there and chit chat with you about the whole thing. And you keep chit chatting until the door literally or metaphorically starts to close. When it starts to close, you don't put your foot in the door right, and keep forcing it down their throat. Right. You let it go tactfully and you were given an opportunity and you took it and that's all you got. Other people will open the door all the way. They'll invite you inside for coffee. And then after 20 minutes of talking, they will get on their knees with you in their living room by their couch and they will pray to receive the Lord Jesus. But it's all dependent upon them. How much did they open the door? Okay. So now going to AA and sponsoring a guy, what I've always done is I don't go out of my way to push my Christian faith on anyone in AA other than to remind them somewhat regularly that what I believe here, I'm not going to you know, push on you because it's not the program of Alcoholics Anonymous. And the, the program of Alcoholics Anonymous says a power greater than yourself. Now, the funny thing is that's step two. Step three says, we'll turn my will and my life over to the care of 
God. So the program by itself forces people down, you know, kind of a funnel into a chute that directs them to God. So we're going to be dealing with it on our own. But oftentimes I'll just remind people like, look, you don't have to believe what I believe, you know, and what I believe is different from what the book says. And that will always get them asking me, well, what do you believe? <laughs> so when they open the door, great. Well, you know, we can talk about this, but understand we're kind of taking a, we're pausing our discussion on the big book and we're just going to talk for a minute about God in general. Mm -hmm. Okay. This is not me sponsoring you. This is just two guys talking on my deck. So for those of you at home that might not, you know, know anything about Alcoholics Anonymous, the brief, brief story is when you go to AA, you number one, get a sponsor or you're supposed to. And then that sponsor is going to read a book with you called the Alcoholics Anonymous Big Book. And they are going to take you through the 12 steps. You agree? Mm -hmm. Okay. So that's the basics of it. Typically, a lot of sponsors will meet with their new, younger, inexperienced sponsee once a week for an hour out for coffee at their house. And they'll read through a little bit of the book and they'll talk about it and we'll start going through the steps. Okay. So it is during that time that Stephanie and I are talking about when do you introduce them to God or talk about it or mention it or not mention it or how. So that's what I found is that it's going to come up because so many people have trouble with the idea of God, this creator authority in their life that you're going to be talking about it. And I just mentioned to them every once in a while. Now, I'm not telling you, you have to believe what I believe. I'm, I'm not, you know, that's not what we're doing here, but the book says you do have to believe in this. Otherwise it's not going to work, you know? So I found that they usually bring it up to me and I don't have to worry about it. And then when they're, when they open the door this much, I talk that much and we close the door, we stop and we move on to whatever else. And over a little bit of time, you know, they want to know more and more because it's almost like they are at the zoo and they're looking at this animal that they've never seen before. And they're like, this is so interesting. I've never seen one of these. Where did it come from? And what does it do? Talking about looking at the Christian. So I found that it just seems to come up without, you know, having to push it at all. Okay. Yeah. Now, have you sponsored any girls? I've sponsored some girls, yeah. Have they been anti-God? Have they been... Christian, have they been anti-Christian, anti-Bible? I wouldn't say I've had any like fiercely anti. Uh-huh. I've definitely had, you know, like nature, mm -hmm. energy, universe mm -hmm. is the higher power. Um, I've had God like as a general sense, mm -hmm. but not the Christian God. Sure. So I I don't <coughs> I don't think I've had one that's like Christian. Okay. Really? Yeah. Okay. I've only had four, you know, sure. my, one of them might've been, or kind of like at least exploring that. Oh, avenue. okay. Yeah. So if I think about it, like I, so technically I have four sponsees now mm -hmm. with that being said, I haven't heard from two of them in quite a while. So, you know, but they haven't officially fired me or, you know, you know, 
died or anything. So I'm still their sponsor as soon as they decide they want to get back into AA and get going. And one of them is a Christian raised in church, loves the Bible. I've invited him and brought him to church, you know, and he likes it all. I have another one who is like atheistic, really had pretty serious hate on for Christians in general, the Bible, you know, the whole idea of God. Um, and that's been, you know, really a wonderful transformation to see God work in his life and him recognize more and more that there's something there, you know. Uh, and then I've had a couple others of various faiths and one guy who kind of really got hurt and burned in church. And, and you'll find that from time to time, you know, and for him, you know, I think, I don't know, I think he's coming around, but, you know, it's the long game. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, it, also, it often is. And I think sometimes Christians can be Christianity's worst enemy. Oh, you yeah. Know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. And it's funny because you, you, you're talking about Christians not wanting to go to AA. Mm-hmm. Then you have people who are anti-God not wanting to go to AA. Oh, yeah. I've, I've, because, yeah, too much God and not enough God. Yeah. Yeah, from both ends. They, yeah, they're trying to avoid it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, yeah. No, that's exactly yeah what we've seen. Okay, so um, don't see an issue with Christians going to Alcoholics Anonymous. Let me ask you this. What do you think about addiction, untreated addiction in our churches? As far as, is it an issue in Christianity, this idea that, well, we're Christians, we don't have problems. And is that getting in the way of people getting the help they need? I think so. Um, you didn't come to God until after you were in recovery. Correct. That's where I would say I met God was right. in rehab and then in the Narcotics Anonymous meetings and Alcoholics Anonymous meetings that followed. Right. So I was I was uh, saved before my mm-hmm. addiction. Yeah. You grew up. As a kid, you were going to church? No. Oh, it was in high school. Yeah. I started going when I was like... That's right. Okay. I remember now. 16? Okay. Or something like that. I started kind of exploring because I was like, well, sure. life can't get any worse. And yeah. my friends kept inviting me. Okay. So Let's give this a go. Yeah. Um, I think, like we talked about on our the last podcast we did, it's that Sunday best. I don't curse. Yeah. I don't smoke. Yeah, I don't yeah, drink. Yeah. And yep. um, we're all just portraying our best sells at church right yeah. and then Bunch the sermon finishes and yeah. we leave yeah um i think you know i've heard a small handful of sermons about addiction oh sure but i think there's a lot of as we know as alcoholics and addicts there's mm-hmm. a lot of shame around it in general and yes. then you put in the christian shame, the christian on top shame. Of it. Yeah. and so i know so for me because i was shame. saved and then i kind of fell into addiction i kind of turned away from god because I felt God couldn't love me mm-hmm. in this way. Like I was just being bad. I was a bad Christian. God wouldn't want me to pray to him. God wouldn't mm-hmm. want to be around me. And so I kind of turned away, but I still would go to church with Nick and do the whole like mm-hmm. gambit and pretending. And I still believed in God and Jesus. And I still mm-hmm. believed I was saved. I just felt so far away from God because I knew what I was doing was wrong. Mm-hmm but I couldn't stop. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think as a Christian who's been in addiction as a Christian, 
there's a lot of the shame and then projecting my own issues onto the Bible and God mm -hmm. and my relationship with God and as a father and, and so on and so forth. And then uh, it's hard to talk to a pastor who doesn't understand addiction. Oh, and a yeah. lot of people think it's a self-control issue sure. or a morality issue. Mm -hmm. And I've seen just like, stop doing it. Yeah. I've seen on TikTok people be like, well, Jesus saves. You just need to surrender. You know, like yeah. Jesus saves, Jesus heals, you know, that's that stuff. Sure. And so it makes someone in addiction feel even more broken. That, oh, yeah. Well, Jesus clearly doesn't want to save me. Yeah. You know, like and it's I was like, hey, I noticed you're wearing glasses. Why didn't Jesus heal your eyesight? Right. Okay. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's more complex. Like Jesus absolutely heals. Sure. We know that. Right. But, but guess what? He didn't heal everyone he came upon. Right. And he, and there are a lot of things were like, do the footwork and then this yes. will happen. Yep. And so I needed something like more than church because mm -hmm. I was still going to church and I think church was great. But anytime I was there, I just felt like a giant fraud. Yeah. Because I knew what I was doing behind closed doors. Yeah. And I felt like if anyone else in the church knew, mm -hmm. they would uh, be, you know, turn away and ashamed yeah. of me. And so I think it's good for churches to have support groups like Celebrate Recovery for places to go. Mm -hmm. um, See, our church doesn't need one of those. No. Because like half our church is made up of alcoholics yeah. and drug addicts. Yeah. I'm like, oh, I know that person. Yeah. <laughs> So, yeah. Um, but, yeah, I do think it's a problem in churches that people don't feel comfortable. Mm -hmm. And, like, the church we were going to, it's great. But if I was going through something, I don't know what woman I would go to to talk about it. Yeah. The, you know, the pastor's a man. Mm -hmm. Which, you know, could go to the pastor's wife, I guess. Mm -hmm. But I just didn't feel connected sure. enough to bring up that stuff. And, mm -hmm. it, like I said, it's... I don't know, like not all pastors. There's a lot of pastors who have had issues with addiction and stuff like sure. that. But a lot of them also have led, like grew up Christian. Like they knew mm -hmm. that's what they wanted to do. So they, they grow up mm -hmm. in a very, you know, they followed like Nick, mm -hmm. you know, never heard the guy cuss. Sure. Never, you know, doesn't smoke, doesn't drink. Mm -hmm. And it's hard to come to someone with your own dirt, your own trash. Yeah. When there's that perception of this person's perfect mm -hmm. or you know what I mean? Like when uh, no, there's going to be a absolutely. lack of understanding and that's why Look, AA works so well. I agree. Yeah. In, in, in AA, for the most part, all the best people there are totally honest and have a really good perspective concerning who they are. They, they are not trying to look good. They're not trying to put their best foot forward. They're being totally honest because one of the program essentials is honesty, open-mindedness, and willingness. So that's a big part of it. Whereas at church, we seem to think that we are doing better when we fake it, when we lie, when we pretend, when we put on that Sunday best and, you know, fake a smile and pretend everything's great we think we're somehow fitting in or doing someone a service and it's the exact opposite. That's true. So in the same way, people don't feel comfortable bringing up any problem. They also don't feel comfortable bringing up their addiction because they're surrounded with a bunch of people that are you know, pretending they're perfect. Yeah. They all look great. And the great thing about AA is like, 
uh, look, buddy, you can knock off that smile because I remember when you showed up here and we had to practically carry you up the stairs and pour you into that chair, you know, so stop, you know, pretending that you're, you know, Mr. Right. wonderful because that's nonsense. Right. And you go into AA and you know, mm-hmm. these are all alcoholics. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like, these are all people like me. Now, granted, I, my first AA meeting, I thought there was going to be like brown bags under the table sure. and, and you know all, yeah, all everyone's drunk yeah, actively drunk and- <laughs> so that wasn't the case but there's a comfortability in knowing and then i think i had that facade on for a while which i think is an abnormal mm-hmm. um parroting what people were saying trying mm-hmm. to act like i had it all together wearing the mask mm-hmm. until aa felt like a safe space yeah because i think oftentimes with addiction there's a lot of trust issues with people in general yeah um yeah. And not that you don't have to use discretion with what you share with who in AA, mm-hmm. but like I talked about the last podcast, there is an authenticity in that group yes. that you don't find anywhere else that I've never found anywhere else yep. in a group of people I barely know. Mm-hmm. Now, granted, I've been like, we can get that one-on-one with people. Yeah, I've never gotten it in a group mm-hmm. like that of people that I'm acquaintances with or some friends, some acquaintances, some mm-hmm. I don't really necessarily care for. Sure. But it's authenticity. And we're all, we meet each other where we're at. Mm-hmm. I There's sometimes judgment from other people, but it's like this cognizant, like that's their stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know. I'm totally with you. And the it seems like the, the big difference is when we all showed up at AA, we were a wreck. When a lot of people show up at church, they maybe are coming from a different church. Mm-hmm. You know, so maybe they realized that their life was a wreck at some point and they came to God and they got saved and they went to church and their life started to change. But we don't all see that. You right. know, what we see is, I don't know, either the final product or a good fake version of what they hope the final product will look like. Okay. That's what I did. <laughs> oh yeah. That's what I do. When I go to our church, it's, well, then I think churches need to be better about, Having an avenue where the congregation, kind of like how we do the the meal after mm-hmm. uh, on Fridays, mm-hmm. something like that. And I know it's harder the bigger the church Especially gets. With, yep. Um, but that's so important. Like mm-hmm. you're not gonna just belt out in the middle of a sermon. Sure. I'm an alcoholic. Yeah. So there needs to be space for people to meet and talk and get to know each other. So there's more comfortability. So there's that openness. Yeah with people. Yep. No, I'm with you. Um, it's really a shame that and it can always be a, something that, you know, is brought up anytime we're talking about churches being a phony. It hurts yourself. It hurts everybody else. You know, God is not fooled. It's just nonsense. And what's a shame is that it makes a lot of people or I don't want to say it makes them feel, but a lot of people will see that and they will feel that I have to be perfect and have a big smile and everything has to look good as well. And therefore I can't bring up, you know, what I'm going through with this guy that I just became friends with, with my Sunday school teacher, with the pastor, you know, with anybody, because what will they think of me? You know, right. It's ego, but yeah, unfortunately. Yeah. You got some more questions there. Yes. Okay, um, so you became Christian after after you got into recovery. Yeah. Has your past ever gotten in the way of like 
the accepting God's grace and forgiveness. Cause that was a big issue with me is mm-hmm. because I was Christian during it. Okay. During the worst of it. So I'll say no. Now I take a very different view than a lot of Christians do. And personally, I believe most Christians are wrong in the way they look at things. And that's why they struggle with God's grace. Okay. So I look at myself as um, desperately wicked, sinful, um, evil, unrighteous, um, but God loves me anyhow. So you see there's not a difference between who you are today and who you were then in terms of sin and... As a matter of fact, I am way worse today than I was then because today I can be honest with myself about who I am and all of my selfishness and my self-centeredness, all of my shortcomings, I can be honest with myself about and it's okay now. Whereas back then I always lied to myself, even though I was a total dirtbag back then I thought, yeah, I'm a pretty good guy generally, you know? So nowadays, when I read through the Bible, the, the Bible paints a different picture than most Christians want to believe. The Bible says, you know, our heart is desperately wicked above all things. You know, who can know it? The Bible says that, you know, we are unrighteous sinners. The Bible says that that's the best we're ever going to be. The Bible says we are as filthy rags. Um, you know, we are... We are and without getting into the details of what the Bible is talking about there in Isaiah, when it's talking about a filthy rag, it is talking about like it. And, and this is not literal. Okay. I'm going to avoid that for the, for the sake of the discussion you're smiling. So I believe you've heard the sermon on it, but if you think about it, if you've ever been to a mechanic shop and you get like, you know, they always have like cotton rags that you use to wipe off the grease off of tools and parts and everything. And when you get a rag like that, if you're doing any kind of work at your house and it is just completely soaked through, with chemicals and grease and everything, you don't wash it at that point. Okay. You throw it away. Yeah. There's literally nothing you can do with it. It's no good for anything. Nobody wants it. Nobody wants to touch it. It's disgusting. Just throw it in the garbage and get a new one. And the Bible, that's what it's talking about. We are 100% worthless on our own. There's nothing good in us. There's no righteousness. There is only wickedness. It is, we are just a dumpster fire, but God loves me anyhow. So the idea that you were expressing before, as far as, well, I'm drinking while I'm going to church and I feel so guilty and I'm so ashamed and, and God must not love me and he must not want me. The thing is when you were drinking, you were no worse than you were the day before you were drinking in God's eyes. Right. I just felt worse. You felt worse. And kind of like how you feel worse because you're honest with yourself, but really you're the same human with the same. You got it. Sin. Yeah. I can't any sin. You got it. I can't be, I can't be any worse in God's eyes than I am today than I was, you know, before I got saved. I mean, the only thing that changes is that, uh, the righteousness of Christ, I am able to put on. And what God does is God says he, um, cleanses me of all my sins. So it's as if they never existed, but you have to understand that when God saved me, he knew about every single sin I committed 
prior to me getting saved, even the ones I forgot. And he knew about every single sin I'm going to commit from that time until when I die. And he forgave me of those as well. Cause he's outside of time. You got it. So he, he's got them all covered. It's not like, it's not like I show up in heaven and God's like, sorry, Patrick, I totally forgot to forgive you of these couple right. sins here. They just slipped my mind. Or I you didn't, didn't do your biannual baptism. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. You didn't re up, you know, getting your sins forgiven again this year. So, um, so for me, I don't look at myself as uh, good. I never want to consider myself, you know, righteous um, or great or wonderful or anything like that. I want to consider myself like Paul did, you know, um, I am the chief of all sinners. Uh, I am just human garbage, but God loves me anyhow, because God knows exactly who I am. So for me, um, coming from that place and knowing what a total piece of human garbage I was, it was wonderful to hear that God sent his son to die on the cross, knowing that Patrick Hayes one day was going to be born and that he was going to, you know, run credit card scams to steal money from people and break into their house and burglarize them to steal money to go buy drugs. And he knew that. And he was still willing to send his only son to die on a cross just for Patrick. So for me, um, it's never been, I mean, don't get me wrong. Once in a while, I get real self-centered and all of a sudden I think it's up to me to be good enough for God to love me. And, and you're the pastor of a church. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> you know, but then I remember it's like, you know what, Patrick, if it's up to you to be good enough for God to love you, you're in trouble. He is never going to love you because you are human garbage. A lot of people don't want to think of themselves that way. A lot of people want to think that they're, you know, oh, well, I'm pretty good or I'm better than most. It's like, no, you're human garbage. Any Christian that thinks of themselves as anything other than human garbage is deceiving themselves. Because there's a human standard and then there's God's standard. And by yes. human standards, yeah. we can be Oh, I'm doing people. better than Ted Bundy. Person. Yeah, I'm, Hitler. Than, I'm reasonably better than Hitler. And <laughs> I Ted haven't Bundy. killed anybody. <laughs> yeah. So, <clears throat> or at least the number of Jews that I've killed is way under Hitler. Okay. And the number of people I've eaten is way below. Wait, did Ted Bundy? Eat no, that's Jeffrey, Jeffrey Dahmer. Dahmer. Jeffrey Dahmer. Okay. The number of people I've eaten is way below Jeffrey Dahmer. See, if this Dahmer. was a serial killer podcast, I would, <laughs> I would be spouting you, facts oh, and really? statistics. And, okay. Oh, yeah. You're, you're, you're studied up on your Oh, yeah. True crimes. Okay. So what was the question again? If you ever struggled with your past and mm -hmm. accepting God's grace and forgiveness. Okay. So my past has helped me accept God's grace and forgiveness. With that being said, yes, I struggle with accepting God's grace and forgiveness simply because I'm human and I keep being self-centered and thinking that it's about me. And God's like, uh, it's not. Okay, if it was, you're right. I wouldn't love you, but it's not about you. So, you know, taking that stance of but God loves me anyhow is has helped me tremendously. My before. husband said something. Oh, okay. Let's see if we have a, uh, let's see if we have a question. Audio is good. And you spin me right round, right round, baby. Nick, I, uh, I gotta be honest. I, I did a podcast on homosexuality. It's a couple months back. I just don't think of you that way. You're a good friend, but it's, it's platonic. It's like Christian level 
you know, platonic. I could go so far as bromance, but I don't think we're there yet. Um, so, you know, let's, man, you made that comment public. This is I'm, ridiculous. I'm, he shamed me. And you're here and he's talking to me about 1980s, you know, love songs from the Wedding Singer soundtrack with Adam Sandler. I'm just going to hit that one and just keep moving. Let's just, let's forget about That's this. a good one to, to end the comments on. <laughs> the one comment. Hold on. I have more questions. It doesn't recognize yeah. my face. Yeah, yeah, Give me, give me a right. question. I like questions. What are ways you pull your recovery into your Christian life and like harmonize them? Because we talked about how they fit well together. What sure. ways do you notice? Because like, what, for example, okay. I've noticed... AA is always pushing me to be better okay. and it's like, not hurt. Don't hurt other people. Mm -hmm. Don't hurt yourself. Like, yeah. There's some Christian principles in AA, like just basically try to not be human garbage every day and just try to be a better human garbage than you were the day before. Okay. This is what I'm going to say. Pastors need to heed this message. Alcoholics Anonymous is a program of recovery. No. Program of action. Oh, right. Okay. I was quoting the big book. Stephanie doesn't know what that was. I know the big book. <laughs> I don't know what that well no. So, Alcoholics Anonymous is a program of action. Okay. There's so, a whole chapter about it. Yeah. So, yeah, into action. So, we are given a whole bunch of very practical steps, things to do day to day. Do this in the morning, do this throughout the day. When you're angry, do this. When you're confused, do this. At nighttime, do this. So we are given lots of very, very practical steps. Not the 12 steps. These are tools. These are tools. And you get tools through doing the steps, but yes. these, yeah, big book. These tools. are very practical things to do to help you with your program. And unfortunately, in Christianity, the Bible isn't laid out the same way. And, and the Bible is a much bigger book and understand there's, there's a lot of reasons for reading the Bible and studying the Bible, but you have to, you really, and you know what, this would be a good book for someone to write, you know, practical Christianity. There you go. And there's go, your next there's book. There's my next book. Okay. Have you finished my first one? And we, we can, we can write a book where it is kind of like Alcoholics Anonymous in that it gives you things to do and not do throughout the day and how to do them to be successful in your recovery. So for me, the idea of pay, taking personal inventory and when we are wrong, promptly admitting, promptly it. admitting it. See, I know pieces of the big book. So, you know, for me, um, my kids and I, let's see today, Sunday, yesterday afternoon, we went out and we played pickleball and we were having a great time. And then for whatever reason, uh, because dad's an idiot, dad was a jerk in his, you know, um, behavior and, um, you know, the words he used when talking to one of his sons. And, and you're a pastor. Oh, my soul. Would you knock it off? <laughs> and five minutes later, I stopped and I said, hey, guys, we got to stop. And I apologized to my son in front of my two other sons. And I was like, I shouldn't have said that. And I shouldn't have done this. And I'm sorry about that, you know. Um, and it was, although I know as a Christian, when I do wrong, it was step number 10 in the program of Alcoholics Anonymous that reminded me that it's like, look, dummy, when you're wrong, you need to admit it. As soon as you realize hey God, you're wrong. As soon as you realize that you're an idiot, 
you which gets to, faster and faster. It does. It, it it absolutely does. You know, and I was disappointed that you know it took a few minutes, but either way, whatever. I'm you know I'm a lousy pastor. Okay, let's just start throwing that word in front of it. So, Alcoholics Anonymous has and the twelve steps of AA has absolutely helped me be a better Christian. Um, as far as my Christianity helping me in AA. I don't know. I'm assuming it has. I haven't really thought about it. Well, you it's necessary to have a personal relationship yeah. with God. Yes. Okay. So here's the thing. For me, um, obviously being a Christian helps me with Alcoholics Anonymous because number one, there's no confusion with me as far as who God is and what he wants from me. And I know how to get closer to God. Okay. I can spend time with God in prayer. I can spend time uh, singing to God. I can spend time reading my Bible and learning about God and from God. So I know how to grow spiritually, whereas there are a lot of people in Alcoholics Anonymous that kind of stumble at that one where you're, you're supposed to enlarge your spiritual life, right? And step 11, what does step 11 say? Are you testing me? No, I so really prayer meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we, we understood him. him and praying only for the knowledge of his, his will, will for us and, and the power, power to carry, carry that out. out. Okay, so we are supposed to, through prayer and meditation, grow. Okay. In Alcoholics Anonymous. And I know a lot of people that struggle with that when they don't know who God is. And they're like, man, how do you do that? How do you get closer to God? How do you do the will of God? How do you know when it's the will of God? And realistically, let me ask you this. How does anyone in Alcoholics Anonymous know when they're doing the will of God if they don't know who God is? I, I don't know if you can. It, because isn't it just because we can't trust our minds, right? And if you don't yeah. know who God is, if you don't have a guideline of who God is, mm -hmm. then you're going to do. Then you have to going to trust your mind, yeah. and our mind just tend to just alcoholics in general, addicts in general, but mm -hmm. people also in general. Yeah, we have a selfish mind, yeah. a deceitful mind. Yes. a you know, it's going to do. What do I? What is going to benefit Reach me it. the most? Yeah, you know, absolutely. So I'm not supposed to trust. Um, my best thinking, right? right? My best thinking got me in AA. In AA. Okay. So I don't want to do, you know, what my best thinking, I want to do what God says. And Christianity, the way it works is it's very simple. God requires us to deny our flesh and do what he says, follow him. So we are, I always joke with people and I'm like, look, when you're looking for an answer in the Bible, as far as what to do in the situation, if you find an answer that you really like and you really want to do this, you missed it. Okay. <laughs> because that's not how it works. What we learn about in the Bible is what God wants and God's ways are up here and our ways are down here and God's thoughts are up here and our thoughts are down here. They're so different. Mm -hmm. So that's the problem in AA when people don't know who God is, they can flounder a little bit and they do, you know, they do struggle. Great Thank question. You. Thank you. Did you have anything else you wanted to add? Um, I did, but then when you asked if I had anything to add, it I, that's okay. Let me think. Hold. You can hear. Wait. Why did? Nope, that's not it. This one. There we go. So that's supposed to be my brain thinking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's crickets when there's dead silence on the podcast. I don't know what's like. Go ahead. Give, give me another um, question. Okay. It'll, come, it'll come to you. Yeah, maybe. Brain's not what it used to be. I'm turning 32 in September, so. Doo -doo -doo. All right. How imperative 
is your Christianity and relationship with God to your recovery? And I think we kind of touched on that, but mm-hmm. how imperative is it to your recovery? With so for for okay. me, go ahead. For me, um, I have no will more willpower today than mm-hmm. I did at the worst in my addiction to mm-hmm. stay away from alcohol. Mm-hmm. I'm just as susceptible to picking up today as I was then. Yeah. At a time when I would make promises that I really meant to keep. And I'd find myself drinking an hour later. So I have no more willpower today to not drink. Mm-hmm. I only get the power not to from God. So it's vital to my recovery mm-hmm. um, to have that connection with a power greater than myself, God. Yeah, absolutely. That helps. And then also gives me those little like tugs of, you know, step 10. Like mm-hmm. with God's help, I'm able to pick up quicker that. I acted like a piece of human garbage, if mm-hmm. you will, or selfishly or this or that. It yeah. gives me, I don't know, I, I could not do recovery without God. Ask the question again, because I think yeah. the question was just slightly different. You, you got to change the settings on your phone. Your screen like blacks out in like two seconds. Well, my battery dies quickly. Oh, is it an old phone? No, it's not that old. I just have... I, I do things on it. Oh, that's all right. I'm working on my. Do you phone. have too many programs running in the background? No, I close them regularly. Oh, okay. So but e- even oh, then, I have personal could... hotspot on a lot for oh, the okay. for the kids in the car. Oh, okay. Because I don't. But you still might have programs running in the background that you don't know about that aren't open programs. They're running in the background. Oh, that's true. I could. If you... there's a setting or something. Yeah, there? if you go through settings, you can find you know something that'll maximize your battery settings or whatever yeah i think it anyway. gets two and a half minutes and then it starts to go dark and then after oh, three okay. it goes officially dark yeah um read that question how again. imperative mm-hmm. is christianity in a relationship with god to your recovery okay so you answered about god to your recovery as far as christianity sorry okay, so let me no 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 but let me i just wanted to because that's what i thought the question was yes all right so um this is where this is where i'll start <clears throat> I was an atheist when I went to my first meeting. Right. I found out very quickly that atheists are fools and that if God exists, it is not predicated upon my belief or non-belief in God. So therefore, I can pray and God can hear my prayers and answer them whether I believe in him or not. Right. Okay, kind of so like it doesn't matter if you believe in gravity or not. If you, you fall out Mount Garfield. Yeah, you're, you got it. Okay. <laughs> you can stand in the middle of the road reciting, I don't believe in trucks. Doesn't matter. So I left my first meeting, not an atheist, or at least doubting my atheism. (laughs) So I went home and I started praying and I felt better when I was done. And then I did it again the next day because it felt so good the first day. And I continued praying every day from then until now. And it's always, I've always felt better after I prayed than before I did. Very shortly after that, I recognized there has to be a God. I didn't know anything more specific, but I knew there was a God. Uh, you know, after I, I pretty much was went right into monotheism. I didn't believe in like, you know, God of the sun and the moon and the stars and the, you know, whatever. You just knew there was a God. There had to be a God. And there had I, to be a creator of. You got it. And I believe that that God had to be personal to me. He was concerned with Patrick Hayes specifically. So I just kept going along those lines, not knowing exactly who God was. And then I ended up. Uh, after three years of sobriety in a jail cell in Portland, Oregon, 
And I was surrounded by all these guys in orange jumpsuits that were being transported down to some state pen in California where they were all going to serve life sentences. You know, and I was just in jail like overnight while I was waiting to be, you know, arraigned or booked or what, you know, whatever the phrase is. And I'm like looking around at these guys and I'm like, man, I got to change my life or I'm going to end up like these morons. Like, I don't want to be in an orange jumpsuit. So I got on my knees in that jail cell and I remember praying and I prayed a third step prayer. Because keep in mind, I've been sober for three years and I'm still ending up in jail. Like, come on, you know, I am messing up my life. So I got down on my knees and the third step is... uh Every time I go to recite one, I just draw a blink. Um, turned, turned our, our will and our, our life over to the care, care of God, God as, as we understood him. him. Is that it? I feel like there was more in the beginning. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. So it looks like, okay, got it. Mine. Yeah. We, it's, we have 14 minutes left on the SD card and we'll be at time. So we'll wrap it up in 13 minutes and then we can keep going on the video for as long as we want to get through your questions. Oh, I and think that's close to the end of my questions. Okay. Unless you have to go or something, but we just want to make it an official ending here. In a minute. Right. Okay. So I got on my knees and I remember praying and um, turn our will and our life over to the care of God as we understood him. There's something else in the beginning there. there. I know. I'll just Google it. Well, and my big book, it, it's right there, but I don't want to like get up and walk over there with my headphones and drag the soundboard onto the ground. <laughs> okay, you don't so, want to pull a stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so I got on my knees and I said, look, God, here's made a decision to turn our will on our lives. Made a decision to turn our will on our lives. To the care of God as we understood. Okay. So I got on my knees and I said, God, here's the deal. I promise I will do whatever you say for the rest of my life. So long as you tell me clearly who you are, because at that time I really didn't know. I mean, I heard about Jesus, you know, I was learning a little bit about the Bible, but I didn't know who God was and I wasn't praying to get out of jail. I wasn't praying for, I just said, God, I am sick of running my life. Okay. My life, when I run my life, it is a dumpster fire. I don't want to do it anymore. I will do whatever you say. Just please show me who you are so I can figure out what you want. I was given the gospel very clearly like the next week after I got in jail. So, you know, it took a little while before I got saved, but I start that, that was my progression. Knowing exactly who God was, was not required to get sober, but being willing to turn my will and my life over to the care of God was absolutely necessary for me to get sober and stay sober. So that was really it for me. I had to be okay with just snuffing out and crushing and grabbing by the throat and squeezing and holding my will under the water until the bubble stopped and then doing God's will instead. Do you so have to I, do that every day? Yeah. I mean, that's the goal, yeah. you know, is to turn my will and my life over to the care of God every day, you know, several times morning. a day sometimes. Yeah. Oh, recording has stopped. <gasps> I know. Hold on. It says we're still alive. We're live there. Hold on. Oh. No. There's a, yeah. So there's a problem with the, uh, well, it doesn't matter what it is. We'll keep going because we can pull the audio off from here. All right. So um, one of the things that I found was an issue at AA was that people would get to a point spiritually and then they would stop 
their effort or trying to grow instead of, you know, I need to learn more about God. I need to figure out exactly who God is. A lot of people are like, okay, I believe in God. God answers my prayers. I'm sober. That's good enough. Rather than saying, if God is the creator of the universe, shouldn't I figure out exactly who he is? And then what he wants me to do. But a lot of people stop short because let's face it, all alcoholics and drug addicts have problems with authority. Well, so, we want the easier, softer way to like the yep. bare minimum we yep. have to do. My thing was always, um, if I'm turning my, the will, the, the care of my life over to, mm-hmm. I want to know, like, can I trust God? Mm. Should I trust God? Mm-hmm. Like, who is God? You know, cause I had a general idea from youth group in high school. Mm-hmm. Um, but kind of stopped. You know, when I kind of started my drinking, I kind of stopped listening to sermons and stopped reading my Bible and stopped all that stuff. Yeah. And as I have evolved in AA and as a person, my conception and gotten to know God better, mm-hmm. my conception of God has changed as well. You know, I was carrying a lot of my trauma into my relationship with God mm-hmm. and projecting that onto God and stuff. And so that has shifted and changed as well. I don't know if that's your experience, but the more you've grown as in sobriety and as an AA member, the more you've grown as a Christian, that conception kind of changes for you. It's mm-hmm. not that God changes, it's just your understanding changes. Absolutely. Okay, let me ask you this, because this is something I've had a thought about before. I think everyone, regardless of addiction or not, should go through a fourth and a fifth step. Yes. Every Christian I, think I know. I think every person should do the 12 steps, honestly, like yeah. benefit greatly because i went to therapy yep since i was like 12 yeah never had the epiphanies and the changes and the outcomes i did Mm -hmm. you know i sure there was some things but they were short-lived and short changes and stuff like that Mm -hmm. the 12 steps really got into it deep and Mm -hmm. like really were able to change how my brain works essentially by changing my attitude and outlook upon things yeah like once i started looking at myself and stop playing the victim mm-hmm. and realize my character defects yeah, or defaults yeah, um, shifted everything mm-hmm. or started the ball rolling and shifting everything. I always tell people, look, if you cannot stink, stop drinking, you got to give AA a try. There is a segment of society where nothing else seems to work. And I was part of that society. Uh, other people I know were able to stop drinking through various means. That wasn't me. The only thing that ever worked for me was the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous. I don't know why, but I also don't care why it worked. That was good enough for me. Mm-hmm. So I don't have a reason to try something else. I don't have a reason to try to direct people to anything else that worked for me. I think everyone should give it a go. And let's face it. If you find yourself in an Alcoholics Anonymous meeting, there's a pretty good chance that you have a problem. <laughs> Unless you're a nurse who has to go, because we get those sometimes. Yeah, if you're a sociology student who, you know, then has to write a paper on what you hear and the crazy cuckoos in the AA room. Okay, did I ever tell you the most awkward and hilarious meeting that I've ever been to? I don't believe so. Okay, let me tell you the story. So I had a friend of mine who got out of rehab, and she 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 was the the wife of one of my best friends, and she called me from rehab, and she's like, "Hey, Patrick." You know, I, I'm, I'm in rehab. I'm going to be getting out next week. And I was like, yeah, I figured you were because you just fell off the map, you know, for like a month or 45 days or something. 
And I was like, that's great. I, and it wasn't our first time through. So we, we've been, you know, talking about this. And she's like, hey, when I get back, we really got to, you know, go to a meeting, yada, yada. And I was like, sounds good. Let's do a tour of the Valley. We'll go to a bunch of meetings, find you one that you like. Okay. So we're going to all these meetings and we go out to a meeting that I normally never go to, but, you know, we're just trying. You're meeting yeah, hopping. You yeah. got it. We're just try, trying different meetings. So we go there and there was a dozen of us and there were two first time. No, there was one first time visitor that had never been to a meeting. Okay. So a lot of people at home, they might not know during the kind of the preamble of, you know, Alcoholics we do Anonymous. To, yeah, starting Alcoholics Anonymous meetings, they will ask, is anyone here for the first, second or third time since their last drink that would like to identify themselves by their first name only? So a lot of people, you know, this, my name is Jenny and this is the first time I've been to a meeting. And that was, it was a girl's name. I don't remember what it was. So the guy to her left was, it seemed like her boyfriend, but I mean, I didn't ask her. No, the next guy to her left was chairing the meeting and he's like, oh, that's great. So nice of you to come, you know, let's let's just go ahead and, head and have a first step meeting. That'll be great. Okay. So for those of you at home that are not familiar with Alcoholics Anonymous, and by the way, you can get a big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. Okay. You can buy them on Amazon. You can buy them wherever you want. And if you want to learn more about this and understand this, you only have to read the first 164 pages. And that's the whole program of Alcoholics Anonymous. So get a big book, read the first 164 pages. It's educational and enlightening it you know if nothing else and then you can read the stories in the back and those are really entertaining i've okay. read those out loud to nick oh really <laughs> i love it because i'm like look how bad i'm not yeah, yeah look at yeah look at how level-headed i am compared to these people okay so we're at this meeting and this guy says let's have a first step meeting so the first step me the first step is uh we admitted that uh we were powerless over alcohol that our lives had become unmanageable so the the idea is until you admit the first step that you know you're not going to get better because you have to admit that you have a problem and you're powerless over alcohol so in a first step meeting everyone will kind of share about where they came from and how they came to a realization that i'm an alcoholic and i need to be here okay so the guy chairing the meeting like turns his chair and shares directly staring right at the girl whose first meeting it was okay and I, poor girl oh it was you already so, feel like oh spotlight yeah immediately is on you. i was like dude what are like really that was the best you could think of and this girl had to be 24 years old i mean you know i mean she was young and i'm like way to make sure she never comes back and he's like and he finishes sharing which was very long it was like 10 minutes telling her just talking right to her hard eye contact <laughs> I mean, the whole time. And he's like, let's just go around the room. And he like does this gesture. And then that lady turns and faces the girl and she does it as well. Okay. So I'm there with my friend and I'm like the fifth or sixth person. Okay. Third person does it. Fourth person does it. I lean over to my friend and I'm like, don't you dare stare at this poor girl and like, you know, tell her what she needs to do and, uh, and this whole thing. So it gets to me and I'm like, yeah, I don't want, you know, I don't want to share. Cause I was just like, I didn't know what to do, but I was just hoping this whole ordeal would be over for the sake of this poor girl. 
my friend shares, and then it goes right back to everybody else, staring right at the girl, telling her what she needs to do. This is the thing, you know, you can do it, sweetie, and yada, yada. Goes all the way around the table, gets to her, okay? She's like, you know, my name's Jenny, and uh, I'm a nursing student, and I have to go to three AA meetings in order to get my degree. I fall out of my chair laughing for a good two solid minutes. I am slapping the table and laughing my brains out. It was the funniest thing I've ever seen happen. I wonder what she's thinking the whole time. The whole time she's like, if these morons only knew you I'm know, not an alcoholic. I'm not an alcoholic. Like, where's I'm a, a point for student. me to say anything? Yeah, and exactly. And, but she's never been to a meeting, right. so she doesn't know how it's supposed to go. You know, and unless you're like just yeah, self confidence like flowing out of your ears, you're not going to be like, okay, we need to stop this because this is insane. You know, right? She's trying to be polite. Yeah, of course she does. Yeah, so and and she was and she. But I'm but, sure she had a great paper. Oh my soul! I, I'm not kidding. I was laughing for so long that everyone was like staring at me, you know. And uh, finally, I'm like wiping the tears from my eyes, and I was like, "Okay, I'm ready to share." <laughs> What'd you share? Oh, I shared about how ridiculous the whole thing was. I, I was literally like, "What the hell is wrong with all you people?" It's like this is our first meeting, and we, you know, everyone. It was a train wreck. Her and her boyfriend who shared after me, who was an alcoholic. So he brought her, like, gotcha. I'll go with you to a meeting. They grabbed me and my friend in the parking lot, and they were laughing their brains out. Like, they're like, this is the most ridiculous thing. we've. So anyway, that was the most awkward and funny AA meeting I'd ever been to in my entire life. It was, it was top notch. Yeah. Okay. What other questions do you have? Um, I don't know if I have any more. It's okay. Let me check. Yeah, I just figured. Check, 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 check. Yep. That was it. I think I got them all. Okay, that's fine. Do you have any for me? Um. It's okay to say no. Yeah, I can't think of anything that came up as far as specifically ideas about addiction and recovery and Christianity. I mean, we could sit here talking about AA for as long as we want, but I'm trying to have it relate to everyone at home who are right. mostly, you know, who are mostly Christians. I was going to say, are there any comment questions? No, there are not. You know, a couple people, you know, just said it was good and, you know, I try to hit on you. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to have to talk to him when I get home. Yeah, I would hope that you do because. He might be coming over here with a suitcase. (laughs) Uh, We have a nice deck. He can sleep out on that. (laughs) With the cats and the dogs. 
Okay, well, everybody, thank you very much for joining us. Um, it was Stephanie Kettle and Patrick Hayes talking on Bible Thumper about addiction, recovery, and Christianity. You can join us every Sunday night at 7 p.m. Mountain Time, 8 p.m. Central. You can also find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play. You can find us on Stitcher, Blueberry, TuneIn Radio, Audible. We are every place that podcast can be found. So please like and subscribe this podcast. It'll help us a lot. Share it with some of your friends. And I should tell you that after this, I am going to post a an AA speakers meeting where I was the speaker, the last one that I did. You were there. Okay. So I'm going to put that up on the podcast as well. So you can hear kind of my testimony. So an AA speaker meeting is not when everybody at the meeting has a chance to share for a few minutes, but it's when everybody comes to hear from just one person and they're going to talk for roughly 45 minutes. 30 minutes to an hour or something in there. Yeah. And they're going to kind of tell their whole story and how they got sober and everything. So I did that when I had my last AA birthday back in May, so my sobriety date is May 18th, May 18th of 1998. And so every May, you know, you're, you, or every time you have a birthday, a lot of times you'll be invited to speak at a speaker's meeting. It's a, you know, good way to, you know, keep speakers going through that meeting. And, and it's a nice time to do it right after you, you know, get a coin. So I did a speaker's meeting, you know, several months I recorded it on my phone just because I always wanted to, you know, get a recording of it. And I thought, well, since we're doing a podcast about addiction, I might as well put that up next. And it would kind of be a, a, something that might pair nicely with, you know, this, this podcast that we're doing. So you'll be able to find that. Um, and then uh, please join us every Sunday night live on our Facebook page, Bible Thumper podcast Facebook page and we have a Bible Thumper podcast YouTube channel and you can follow along and then Stephanie is going to be back with us next month. Do you remember what day? Yeah, I don't either. Uh, and we're going to be talking about opposite sex friendships if married in Christianity. Does that make sense? It did and you hit all the right words but so we are talking about um, having a friend of the opposite gender when you are married in Christianity, right? Yes. Okay. So the idea- Was it the S word that was bad? No. I always say gender because, you know, as far as, for me, I always think sex is a verb. Gender is whether you're a boy or a girl. That's but fair. I've been told lately that you're not supposed to use the word gender. You're supposed to go back to using the word sex again. I, I don't, I don't keep up with anything. Yeah, I don't know. But I, anyway, so either way. Okay. So <clears throat> two folks, one boy, one girl, who are both married to someone else being friends as Christians. How does that work out? Um, because people have had questions about that. Mm -hmm. And um, Stephanie is married to Nick and I, Patrick, am married to Joanna and we are friends and we've been friends prior to me meeting your husband and being friends with Nick, who now is a buddy of mine, but we're better friends. And Stephanie meeting Joanna and becoming her friend as well. So 
Did you want me to address that now? We're better friends. It sounds like a statement of fact. There's nothing that needs to be added to that. <clears throat> so anyway, we're going to talk about how that works and how we think it should work and things and how it shouldn't work. Does that sound good? Yes. Okay. Also probably like someone's single, but the other person married, but still friends. Oh, okay. Just yeah. like any opposite gender. Yeah. Christianity. Yes. How to do that appropriately, how to not do it inappropriately. Right. You know, just, just a conversation about it because I don't know. I yeah, never just opposite it. gender Christian people who marriages involve who there somehow. Is a relationship with somebody else. Oh, I just confused myself. Whatever. It's, okay. it's 8.30 on, yeah. a, on a Sunday. So that's what we're going to do. So thank you, but thank you everybody for joining us. We will see you in a couple of weeks or sometime in September. So everybody have a good night and uh, we will talk to you next Sunday.